We're all about the facts. Facts. Hard facts. Cold, hard, spaffing in your face facts. Ooh. In a hard back. In a hard face. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Great Culture, the podcast where three women drink wine, talk about feminism and pop culture. I'm Alex. I'm Kim. And I'm Sam. Hope you enjoy the episode. So just so that all of our listeners are aware, we are going to be touching on some sensitive subjects this week. So this is our trigger warning to you as an audience, just in case you are dealing with issues of sexual assault or anything like that. We will be talking about that. So this may be your point to step away from the podcast if you need to. On this week's show, we're going to be discussing the book Sex, Power, Money by Sarah Pascoe, which is, I guess it's kind of a social, anthropological, biological study commentary on sexuality, transactional sex and pornography, isn't it? I would say so, yeah. Definitely comedic to a point, like seriously comedic or comedically serious. Sarah Pascoe is a comedian. All this to come. Yes. But first... And some might say, more importantly, wine. Everyone, yes. Um, so we have two wines. They are vegan. Um, we're starting with the white because Sam hates me. You said let's start with the white. <sighs> yeah, but I didn't mean it. I didn't mean buy white either. <laughs> I think always start with white. No, I know. I just wish that we hadn't bought any, if I'm perfectly honest. Oh, well, tough Enjoy. Today. I know. This is a cheerocracy, so... <laughs> <clears throat> So we have the head honcho Sauvignon Blanc from Chile. Chile. Um, the reason that we chose this is basically it was the the, the name head honcho. It's power. Is power. In the title of the book. Yeah, it's all about power, and it's just it's also quite a funny bottle. Like it's a really interesting like um, jazzy label, and it's it's a bit whimsical, and it kind of feeds into the. Um, Serious but comedic. It's similar to the airs and graces wine. Yeah, serious but comedic tone of the book. So the tasting notes on the back of the bottle read, exploding with a burst of citrus. Spaffing. Drink it with decent fish and chips. That's literally it. That's what it says. Oh, single-minded, determined, confident. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Oh, Lord. I'd like to point out that that noise was Sam, not me. I don't know if this is the best thing to be drinking after drinking chocolate liqueur. <laughs> when were you drinking chocolate liqueur? Oh, I'm really running chocolate low liqueur. on starter <laughs> alcohol, guys. It was either that or the uh, 32-year-old brandy that my mum gave me casually I mean, that like, I never I feel like chocolate liqueur is something that you get for Christmas 25 years ago and you're like, I keep this for emergencies. It did taste like... Uh, That's literally it. Yeah. Huh. yeah. What do we think of the head honcho Sav Blanc? It's quite oaky. Mm-hmm. That's a good word, yeah. I feel like oaky is an understatement. I feel like I'm drinking this out of a wooden cup. Yeah, it is, it is very woody, oaky... Not a very floral wine. Yeah. Um, I I don't hate it. Are you getting a burst of citrus? No. It's very pale in colour. Before we get into the book, I will just say the Sauvignon Blanc, which we are drinking, is vegan. The Chardonnay is not from this. Ah. So. Good to know. Should you Good. ever be so enticed by I this wonder one? I why that is. No idea. Filter through things. Chardonnay is gross anyway. It is gross. Not like this, beauty. <laughs> Not like this tasty bean. Okay, so sex, power, money. What did we think of it? What were our first impressions? Go. I really liked it. Good. It was not very easy going. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't actually looked into what it was about before we started reading it. Mm-hmm. Because you said that you wanted to talk about it. And I was fine with that. And I got it from the library. And, and there you go. And again, this is a bureaucracy. I was a little bit taken aback reading the introduction and was a bit like, oh shit. And then... It does go in quite hard with the sex trafficking yeah. early on, yes. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's a very, like, it was very quick to read. It was very entertaining to read, but I almost found it, like, wrong that it was entertaining. And, um, yeah, it was tough, but good and well written and funny and weirdly funny 
it did uncomfortably make... funny. Yeah, mm. definitely made me uncomfortable, which I suppose is part of the point. What about you guys? So I have a. Has anyone read Animals? Her animal. first book. Yeah. Animal is it singular? A singular. A animal. singular animal. I have not, um, but I've heard very good things. Yes. Um, I actually heard mixed things about this one, hmm. um, even though I know it won. What did it win? It won anything. Oh, I thought it had, or maybe nominated for something. Um, I think it's nominated for something, and um, I've heard people say that they couldn't get into this one like they did Animal. Hmm. Um, yeah, I can see that. But I. No, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought there were so many facts about men and women's bodies, particularly to do with like the chemicals in our bodies and the reason we're shaped the way we are and things like that that I had no idea about and found really interesting and recognised in my own uh, experiences. And so was like, oh, great. I didn't realise there was actual kind of history and chemical and scientific reason behind a lot of things that men and women do. Um, I found it enlightening, therefore. And, yeah, amusing in parts. Obviously quite tough. I think, yeah, the trafficking and also a lot of the stuff to do with porn I found really hard to take. And I I have a weird fascination with not porn itself, but the, like, people that, like, watch it quite regularly and do watch documentaries about it and porn stars and the theory behind that and why people get into porn. So I found that particularly interesting, but also some of the titles and being aware that, like, this whole kind of pain and graphic nature about uh, distress has become quite big recently. So that kind of, yeah, was quite hard to take. Um, But overall, I thought it was fascinating. So I wanted to read this book because I read Animal a few years ago. A friend of mine bought it for me for my birthday and put a dedication in the front of me that says, I hope this explains why we're so mental. (laughs) Good. It's like, thank thank you, Hannah. Um, But Animal, yes, is much more about female physiology, biology, uh, various things to do with women and it's more kind of female focused than sex power money. Um, Although sex power money isn't explicitly just the male side of things, that she kind of comes at it from wanting to understand more about the male side of it, I Mm. think. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the differences in those two books. And also I saw Sarah Pascoe on the tour. She did a Lads, Lads, Lads tour, which is also a BBC special if you want to check it out. But yeah, my first impression of the book was that it was very similar to Animal in the way it's written, unsurprisingly being written by the same person and touching on quite a lot of the same topics. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed it. I did think, like you say, there were parts that were difficult, but there were also parts that were difficult in Animal as well. But I didn't find it as hard to deal with as I did a book that we read a few weeks ago, Lady Killers. Don't know why. Maybe it's just because I'm more comfortable with sex as a topic generally mm. than mass right. murder. <laughs> um, so, so, you know what? Different strokes for different folks. Like Quite literally in the case of this book. I really liked it. Good. I'm glad. What did we like about the book? I really liked the like the tone of it wasn't I liked that she was aware of her own prejudices and kept sort of bringing them up and then being like and I do still feel that way. Like I try to be a better person. I'm trying to, you know, not have judgment, but yes, I still want to feel this way about this thing. So and like for people who may not have read the book, what kind of prejudices were she talking so about? So she has her own opinions about people who are in sex work and how the um like her sort of gut reaction has always been, I want to save them. They mm-hmm. can't possibly want to do this. Mm-hmm. And even though she's interviewed several people that, you know, are very happily in sex work or um and she's read all these studies about the choices and she understands the um the monetary aspect and the the risk like she can't help but have that reaction and feel that she would prefer that people didn't do it didn't have to do it and she can't help but still think that people's decision to do it is still based out of having to do it not choosing not always choosing to do it and even the people that choose to do it she's like well do they really choose to do it um and i completely understand that because it is really really hard to it's hard to unpick your own prejudice prejudices and it's very hard i think to admit admit that you know that you might be wrong but you still are struggling 
to 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 think differently because most people if they are confronted with like you're wrong they'll be like no i'm not and here's why or yes i you know and or if some people yes i am okay i'll change it's very difficult for people to actually admit that oh i might be wrong or i might not like my opinion is not evidentially supported but I stand by it and I admit my shortcoming here. I think that's quite difficult and she does it very well. I also really enjoyed that throughout the book, every time she's sort of making a joke that's not really a joke, where she's saying something um, controversial, shall yeah. we say, about men. For like, She'll say something like, but if it were me, I would chop his knob off and then she'll cross through the chop his knob off and then have a, and then write have a stern talking to him or something along those lines like she'll yeah. she'll cross out the controversial slightly funny thing it's kind of like talking under your breath yeah. Yeah. yeah which I really I really enjoyed that as well which I'd be interested to know Alex because you listen to the audio version mm. and I don't know if I don't know how she would have done that in the audio version because it's basically let me find an example to show you um yeah so like here so she'd write um, so the sentence here for example is they asked participants what colour top they had on and when their last period was and then got slapped for asking personal questions crossed out calculated how likely participants were to be ovulating so like I don't know I actually don't know how it was referenced interesting because so it's not just like a one yeah. that's a very visual it happens a lot yeah. yeah I don't know I, like she doesn't it's not obvious where that is. Where that Maybe it's a different tone of voice. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'll have to listen to it again at that kind of moment and tell you. Mm. Um, where are the footnotes? Maybe it's... It's not... So the footnotes are separate. They are as footnotes. So she puts a lot of footnotes in here um, at various points, which are sometimes explaining her point more, sometimes yeah. just making snarky aside or like funny aside. So they're genuine so footnotes like, yeah, at the bottom. Footnotes like that. Oh, okay. There was a really good one that was like, it was next to one of the drawings in the book and it just said, not you audio. Yeah, <laughs> not you audio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and in fact, I think she said that on the yeah. audio book. Um, yeah, I mean, the footnotes were kind of very much came after, you know, what I imagine is the asterisk mm. to the footnote. Um, but no, I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to have a little listen for that. Um, in terms of what I particularly enjoyed about it, I thought it was super. I thought it was super honest. Mm. I thought it was very genuine, and I think that comes from what you were saying, Kim, about her kind of being very open about what her opinions are, but then also the fact that she has gone away and researched them, and so maybe she is misinformed, but at the same time she can't help her emotions and how she feels about certain situations and things. Um, like I said, I think it was really informative. Um, I definitely learned a lot. And obviously the tone for me was different because I could hear her tone. Yeah. Um, it was read by the author. It was read it? by the author. Uh, but I particularly enjoyed that. It was like having a mate tell you mm. lots of interesting facts that I then had to pause and then t- turn to my partner and go, oh my God, did you know did that you, you know? do this because of this? A serious case of, as Book Riot say, a serious case of the did you knows. Yeah. Um, and I had that as well because I, I think I had a conversation with someone like, did you know this? And they were like, yeah, I had. It's lunchtime and we're having a cup of tea in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This is a bit weird. I was, I was reading it in bed. Um, and then um, my partner was like, what are you reading? And I was like, oh yeah, it's this fascinating book about sexuality. Blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, for instance, did you know the reason you have a bigger penis than most other apes is because of this? And he was just like, oh, I just don't understand what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know. The fascinating fact I really enjoyed, maybe the wrong adjective to use, um, was the whole thing about the fact that uh, penises have a ridge to scoop out like someone else's that is sperm? A theory, but yes. Okay, theory, but that like a, yeah. I particularly enjoyed that because it forms a plunging shape. Yeah. yeah, that was a weird one. I thought about that one for a, a while. Yeah, me yes. too. I thought that was super clever. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Sam? I yeah, I think the points that you guys have brought up are the reasons I liked it. I think it's. Very, written in a very funny way but in the funny way that she manages to make it humorous but without it poking fun at people who are in distress or mm. anyone who um certainly 
comics of the past or of a less enlightened age maybe might find the butt of the joke she doesn't do it in that way she kind of manages to do the majority of it in quite a tasteful way i think mm-hmm. she's not appealing um, to the lowest common denominator no. or um or like you say like picking on no picking on picking the low-hanging fruit yeah exactly um and i think like you say the fact she's very she's very honest about her own fallibility in kind of as as a writer as someone examining this fact you know she's not dogmatic in her approach of like this is why we do this this is why this Mm. happens this is why people think this this is why men find this arousing this is why women don't she just kind of explores it and i enjoy anyone who presents you with the facts and they go well this is what i think but take it or yeah yeah yeah. um and also i just i don't know it's just it's likable is that her writing so although I didn't always necessarily agree with her views mm. I found it very likable and I found it maybe that made it easier to deal with some of the harder bits in the book because mm. it's like you said Alex it's like having a mate say things to you and it's sometimes that's easier than having someone lecture at you or you know that kind yeah because probably because she's so genuine with it yeah. so you're just like okay I respect you and, yeah. I, and actually what you're telling me is really interesting and yeah. I respect your view as well exactly it felt like having a conversation with someone at a pub, but not like a random stranger who wants to give you your opinion or that one friend that everyone has. And I use the term friend loosely where they're like, um, actually not that person, but the person like, who has to explain the joke. Yeah, yeah. But actually someone that you're like, Oh, but what about this? What about this? What about this? Like when you're talking about like we do, when you talk about a book that you're really, really interested in, yeah. but you have different opinions or, you go down a rab- Wikipedia rabbit hole and you're just sharing that information, but you're not, you're not sat there going, and I am right about everything forever. And it, like you say, it's not a lecture. It, it does. It felt mm-hmm. like sitting in a pub. I also enjoyed all the frequent references to um, being drunk in taxis. Yeah. Um, and she, yeah. she sounded like she actually had a really genuine, like interest in this subject. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just, I am a famous person. I've been asked to write a book. So I'll write it about my life or I'll write it about this fact that I think I know a little bit about or I don't know a lot about it. So I'll research it and just plug loads of information into it. She genuinely actually, I think, from her life experiences, wanted to find out more. Mm. Yeah. So what do you think were the book's flaws or what didn't you like? A flaw for me was, and I suppose how... It's hard to say, represent all sexualities and all people because we live in a world where there's so many different genders, so many different types of, like, sexuality that people identify as. But it was very much focused on... And again, she did reference gay men and gay women. Very much focused on uh, heterosexual couples. And also, I suppose... Ignore. Oh, they. She spoke about trans. I suppose in as well. Her, but predominantly, it was a gender binary. Yeah, it, it was. was a gender binary. But in her defence, there was a lot more research into heteronormative sexual activity than mm-hmm. um, homosexuality or, or bisexuality. Or, you know. Yes. Yeah. I just. I just think if you much, claim, if you much richer, if you mm-hmm. claim to say that it's mm-hmm. all about sex. Yeah. Because you know, sex, power, money. You're. I'm not. I'm not saying she promised that she's claiming that it, it's only going to be about heterosexual couples, but I suppose like maybe an offer of a a broader spectrum might have been interesting. That, yeah. But or or maybe just to be more specific in her introduction to what she's going to talk about. I well, I think she was quite specific. Mm, I think she was okay. like, "These are my attitudes to male sexuality because of my experiences with." Yeah. Okay. Rather than I also thought being I'm just trying. I, I am actually just trying, trying to find a flaw, find a flaw. Yeah. Yeah. and I, I and I think that's just what it was. Yeah. I just remember thinking, "Wow, this is really specific to mm. het- like hetero couples." And she's also talking about like animal behaviour and stuff. Yeah. And, mm. yeah. I feel like I remember her acknowledging that a few times. Yeah. Um, I would say, well, so it made me uncomfortable because. I'm, well it's not because it's about sex I'm not uncomfortable with sex I'm uncomfortable with um, certain kinds of language around sex that is more colloquial and jovial than I personally do but that's not Sarah Pascoe's fault and that's not the book's fault and that's not my fault it just is how I felt see aforementioned spaffing 
Yes, spaffing <laughs> is a word that I do not like. Um, I've said spaffing more times tonight than I've <laughs> ever said in my life. Um, I mean, I've never heard of also, it. Until it's also not a word that I think this. any of us would be like, would hear that word and be like, oh yeah, spaffing. Like, it's meant to be a funny <laughs> I word. I enjoyed how you rubbed it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but so that's, that's not necessarily a flaw, but um, I think that I did feel like it was that at times churning out the facts, mm. which is a flaw of a lot of nonfiction and very easy to fall into, especially when you are sat there surrounded by all this information and you're like, and this, and this one, and this one. And it reminded me a little bit of when we've read, um, off podcast, we've read uh, a, a history of, henry the seventh and like yeah, yeah and that 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 kind of like and then this happened and then this oh happened God, and then this was, happened and this hard happened. but i have to say like this yeah. was this was not that like this was only at times it was definitely wasn't the general feeling of the book but because of that there were parts of it where i got lost and i think it's partially because the facts themselves that she is turning out are so some of them are so difficult like the the, the sections on porn and violent porn in particular were very factually heavy. And I think that it's probably because she felt the same way that maybe I feel, which is that I don't necessarily want to delve into this too much. Mm. So it's easier to hide behind the facts. Yeah, and so that got know, a little bit. When you not, might not feel comfortable, yeah. Talking yeah. About Actually, that that's true. Because she, she openly was saying she how she's quite, re- well, really yeah. not into porn and, yeah. and quite bashful about it. And, and so I was very uncomfortable. You haven't listened to the last hour of the audiobook. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you'll have heard this bit, but she does say towards the end of the book, because at the end of the book is where she's discussing porn in more detail, mm. she does say that she, it was her intention to watch very, very extreme porn that mm. she doesn't normally... Yeah. Um, yeah but that she just couldn't do it. And yeah. she didn't want to do it because she didn't want those images seared into her brain forever. Mm-hmm. But um, she did watch some of them that were pretty... She watched extreme stuff. She watched hardcore without watching, like, the worst of the worst. Yeah, the worst, worst. Oh, of okay. Oh, um, I didn't get to the bit where she spoke about the worst of the worst. Yeah, mm. she was just saying that she wanted to watch some of it so that she could comment fairly, but she didn't feel like yeah. she could. And I think that's, that's why she spoke like that. Yeah. yeah, and I and I completely. It's like, it's a criticism, but it's a completely justified thing that she did, and mm. I would have done the same thing. And mm. it's 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 something that I do. Um, and then the only other thing was that, on relation to studies and um findings and the the theories that she puts forward and the stuff that she then later is referring to and accepting as fact and she makes this point herself is that she makes a point that a lot of studies look at like 12 people and call that a blanket study you can also look at a study and be like i'm going to ignore all the these other studies and talk about this one and i felt i definitely felt like there were studies that were not that she was picking and choosing ones that favoured a, na- a, a narrative that followed the narrative that she was trying to make. She was definitely, she basically, she picked up on a theory and was like, this is the one that makes the most sense to me. And then later later the in the book referred to those theories as fact. But I do think that I felt that whilst I was reading it, and then I thought, well, that's not wholly fair because she definitely did like a lot of research. And she also acknowledges it to an extent in the end of the book. She was like, I, I feel like she says like, these are all certain theories or maybe it's not this or maybe it's something completely yeah. different. Yeah. But it took a while to, for me to feel like she got that. So there were points where she was like, well, this is because of my biology and because of... um because I want to be protected or I don't want to be seen so I keep it behind closed doors and and I was kind of like I'm not sure I'm not sure that this is cold hard fact I think that it was at times I felt that it was selective but again I think that's true of all non-fiction and I think that she did a better job than most of acknowledging that and fairly laying out all the studies she did. Also, I'm no expert, so I don't know that there are a thousand studies that say the opposite, but I definitely got a sense that there was a support of theories that supported her argument. Yes, but also nothing, and she she does address this in it, like nothing in science is really accepted as cold hard fact. Mm-hmm. Even things like gravity and evolution are the theory. They yeah. are 
mm-hmm. they are a theory they are a theory that is widely held and i know that that's an extreme example like that's mm-hmm. kind of it's not the same as a study with 12 people or whatever mm-hmm. um but it's but yeah it's, and it's also and when you're when you're writing a book you have to ultimately you have to whittle you have to whittle and you have to pick and choose in order to make a point otherwise mm-hmm. your audience is just like well you've just thrown a shit ton of facts mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's like writing it's, any kind yes. of dissertation or whatever it's like, a funny sorry it's so funny that you should mention the whole like everything is theory because i literally have a book on my stand it's called the science illusion which is a book about how science is theories theories it's all theories and also one thing i will say sorry just to jump in here talking about all the various studies so i have studied a few aspects and famous sexologists and um psychologists and like basically the history of sexuality not in depth but potentially more in depth than the other people on the sofa just because yeah yeah, sure definitely. yeah 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 um a lot of things like she talks about kinsey she talks about um masters uh various famous sexologists and psychologists and sociologists they data is often taken in these early studies from sex workers because no one else talks about it mm. and no one else is willing to come forward and discuss it so there is a bias in the findings of these earlier uh, studies. And even now, I think you'll still find a bias. So no study is going to be 100% indicative. And I don't think any of us are saying they are. But I just think it's worth highlighting that sexuality studies often have a skew. Mm. Mm. So as we mentioned, Alex listened to it on audiobook. Kim got the book from the library. I bought the book, so we have one copy of the book between us. So I was going to ask if anyone had any favourite quotes, because I took some photos. Um, Kim, you do have a photo there. I took one photo. (laughs) So I read this book really quickly. I had it from the library. I didn't make any tabs because I knew I had to give it back. And in fact, it was overdue when I gave it back by a day, sorry. Um, And so I didn't take that many pictures, even though every five minutes I wanted to text Sam to be like, this quote and this quote and this quote. But then I was like, Sam's going to read it, so <laughs> it's fine. Um, but there was one quote, and it's not a serious one, it's a funny one, um, which is that, well, it is a little bit serious. I'll read the context as well. So it's when she's talking about, um, like, finding out about her boyfriend masturbating and... Um, masturbating? Yeah, sorry. sorry. I sorry. can't help it. Master! No. I'm not, I'm not, I can't, no. Anyway, wanking. Um... <laughs> It's perfect. No, perfect. <laughs> um, anyway, she finds out about her partner pleasuring himself to pornography and all sorts. And um, she says, culturally, we are all familiar with a sexually frustrated male. He can be found in sitcoms and movies hilariously dealing with blue balls or badgering a partner. There aren't many examples of horny rejected women. Oh, wait, no, sorry. It's not about him, him wanking. It's he's wanking but won't sleep with her. Right, yeah. As well. Yeah. And then she goes... That was very early on in the book as well. Yeah. yeah. And she goes, I try to communicate my feelings by crying hysterically. It's an unhelpful paradox <laughs> that a person is at their least sexy when sexually frustrated. It's particularly difficult mm. to seduce someone when you've snot running down your face. Um, and that, it was the, uh, I tried to communicate my feelings by crying hysterically. And I nearly said it to you because I was like, oh, it's me. <laughs> it me. <laughs> I remember that that section made a lot of sense to me because I was thinking about past experiences where I've been like... Just fucking do me, mate. Well, no. I was actually going to say, <laughs> past experiences that I've spoken about on the podcast where it's like, you're a bad girlfriend because you won't put out. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the flip side of being rejected by said boyfriends at certain times. Yeah. Um, and so, like, it was it was quite a resonant chapter and I was really interesting like I was really interested to read about it and then it was the uh the crying hysterically and I was like yeah no no, I I do do that that is a thing that I do so can I share some of my favorite quotes yes Yes, please okay so doesn't include the word spaffing or spurted um but so okay she talks a lot about Donald Trump oh she does um he is a horrific human being um and you know, it, it says very sexually predatory things and has potentially, potentially, allegedly, whatever, done very sexually predatory things. But this is one quote when she's talking about Donald Trump's hands that I particularly liked. Oh yeah, um, I know this one. I've always wondered whether I would care if someone said I had small hands, and I wouldn't. This is absolutely a masculine versus feminine thing. Men want big hands and women want small hands, even though we use them for all the same stuff, 
petting cats, masturbating, keying our enemy's car. Yeah, I know. I enjoyed that. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought it was great. (laughs) Uh, And the other one is, so she has a whole chapter about penises. Why they, why, why they like that. Penises. Why are they like that? That's the name of my book. If anyone, wants I, to I mean, that. I wouldn't be surprised if her chapter was called that, though. To be it's fair. actually called the penis in our mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is not necessarily about sex. This is about gender more than sex. Um, which is okay. So parents don't like to have their baby wrong sexed. They correct you if you he or she get insulted. People uh, people adorn their babies with signifiers to avoid embarrassment. Old Churchillesque. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I thought it was going to say Churchillian, but it said Churchillesque. Um, bald Churchillesque girls get pink bows velcroed around their skull. <laughs> and the amount, oh my God, the amount of like post baby having photo shoots I've had where you've got this tiny wrinkled scrotal raisin in a pink headband as though that's going to make it somehow more feminine. I know, it's bizarre. It makes me so oh, cross. I mean, I hate it. Mm. And yeah, they do, so people do get mad. Like when you're when yeah, you Yeah, and you're like, oh, it's a sheet, you're like, it's a sack of poo and crying is what it, it is. is the it's child. Not it yet. is a child, that is all. Yes. Yeah. But I do I think you're gonna read on. Yeah. Are you gonna read on? I was quote? gonna read on, yes. So there's Which more. Which I enjoy. Um pretty baby boys are dressed in manly sky blue, their soft blankets illustrated with sharks and dinosaurs to show that this sleepy idiot means business. <laughs> <laughs> he might drink from boobies and cry all the time, but he's a predator. Yeah. yeah. Which I enjoyed. And then it's following on from the Which is, yeah. Oh, is it when you talk... Okay, carry on, it's sorry. It's also just following on from the child thing because she's very uh, uh, vocal about her not wanting to have children and I think the same mm. is a mood. Um, and she's just got a footnote on one page that just says, sexual consequences is the best way to refer to your friend's children. <laughs> In uh, Following on from um, when she talks about children, doesn't she then go on to say, rather than saying... Uh, when someone says, "I've just had a baby," and then oh, you yeah, go, and then you go, "What is it? What is it? Is it a boy or a girl?" Rather than saying that, you should just not ask what gender it is and go, "Did it have a penis or a <laughs> vagina?" Because... Has it a penis? Is it of use? Yeah, yeah. But also, like, I can definitely say that to you guys if you ever had babies. <laughs> yeah. But I feel that if someone comes into work and proclaims they've just had a child, even though I would have known that, I suppose. Um... Yeah, they wouldn't just do it overnight. Be like, what? <laughs> But yeah, proclaiming what like yeah. what organ yeah, they organ have down there really is weird, probably but that's the first thing that people go to. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought I thought about that a lot recently. Um. So my uh coworker line manager is having a baby. Yeah. And um, my immediate reaction was actually not what sort is it, um, because I was too busy thinking about like work. Right, yeah. It's like, oh shit. Probably not which genitals you growing in your bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then I, as just I sat there and we were just like kind of okay. having, we were having the conversation and we weren't quite ready to go back into the main office yet because not everyone knew. And I was just like, what do I say now? And then I was like, what sort is it? And then I immediately thought of Sarah Pascoe. I was like, do you know what sort it's going to be yet? Um, because I don't say, is it a boy or a girl? I just go, do you know what sort is? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's my weird. question. That is weird wording. It is a weird wording, but I can't help myself saying sort it that way. It what sort is it? So we're going to take a short break now, but we will come back and talk more about sex, power, money in a little bit. A little bit. I'm going to do that again. What are we going to talk about? More things and stuff. stuff. So we're going to take a small break. We're going to come back with a new wine and talk a bit more about sex, power, money by Sarah Pascoe. And we are back with our second wine of the evening, which is another of the head honcho uh, from Chile. Except this time, Kim is happier because it's red. I'm happy because it's red. It also made me laugh because um, we've been talking about innuendo uh, off off mic. We've been talking about like innuendo and, and words that keep coming up that we're like, oh. um, <laughs> And let me read you the description. So this is the head honcho Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, lovely, lovely red. Uh, very similar bottle. Basically, it's purple the same. in the background. It's got a purple background instead it's of the same picture. Single-minded, determined, confident, rammed with intense <laughs> blackcurrant flavour. Drink it with a proper burger. So, before we take our first sip of this, what did we think of the Sav Blanqui? It was yeah. horrible. I don't think horrible is fair, yeah. but each to their own. I did not enjoy it. It's gone. I poured myself I've a much smaller glass in the second. Yeah, I noticed. Did you yeah, did. Yeah. Fair enough. 
Okay. Uh, it was fine. I did you enjoy it less than the book? Oh, oh significantly yes, yes, definitely. Book. It did not pair well at all. Well, should we try this one instead? Sure. Cheers. Cheers. Again, it tastes really oaky to me. Like smoky, smoky oaky rather than woody oaky. Bit spicy. Really? I'm not getting any spicy. Mm. Remains to be seen. So back to Sex Power Money by Athena Pascoe. So we've talked a bit about what is in the book, what we thought of it, what we liked and what we didn't. Who do you think this book was written for? Who does she have in mind? I think women who are similar to herself, um, which I think most of us kind of associate with, I suppose. I I think it was written for people who um, identify maybe as Sarah Pascoe identifies. Uh, As a cis-hetero woman? Woman, yeah. I think so. Um, I think her opinions were definitely, obviously, because how she identifies. And I think, therefore, a lot of the studies she sought out to back up her opinions were relating to heterosexual couples, uh, usually kind of more favoured in the woman's point of view. Um, Yeah, in my opinion, that's who it was written for. I don't know if I agree. I don't know who I think it's written for. I don't really feel... I didn't really feel like it was written for anyone. Because, I mean, I am cis woman, straight. Cis, hetero, female. Etc, etc. And I didn't feel like this book was written necessarily for me. I didn't feel like it was written for any of the people that I know who would pick up the book, if that makes sense. Like, I think that it looks like it's written for white feminists i don't necessarily think that it was written for white feminists i think i think that it was just written to me it just didn't feel like it felt more informative than if it was speaking to someone who already shares your opinions and it felt more self-deprecating than if it was speaking to someone who already shares your opinions but it also felt so comprehensive and um amusing that it it could have been directed to people who maybe wouldn't. Like, I almost felt like it was trying to catch a market, like a business book market, rather than it being like, this is a comedic memoir or this is a book about sexuality. Like, it, like Sex, Power, Money, even the title is a little bit like, you could get this. Like, it, it, and I don't think, like, I don't mean like it's pandering, but I just, I felt like it was meant to be quite a, um, almost universally appealing and maybe machismo almost appeal like it's supposed to grab people who aren't just white feminists i think in my normal life if it wasn't sarah pascoe um and it was just a book by unnamed person i've never heard of called sex power money i wouldn't pick it up what did you think about the cover and what do you think the cover was trying to do so for podcast listeners who may not have seen the book, the part, the cover of the book is Sarah Pascoe, the author, in a fairly androgynous black and white suit, holding a banana aloft, um, and the words uh, Sarah Pascoe, sex, money, power, over the top. There are also pulled quotes from various... Now, okay. <laughs> I was going to say various comedians, but I think that kind of colours what I wanted to say about the book cover Mm -hmm. which is that we're saying who's it written for and we've talked about some of the um kind of ambiguity as to who it might be for is it for cis hetero women is it kind of undefined is it trying to trying to appeal to yeah male audiences with this kind of androgyny or whatever um, but I think what's more telling about it is the fact that the first, the pull quote on the front is from Frankie Boyle. Yeah. And it says, genuinely hilarious. Yeah, and I think that is a really good point because that, I kept coming back to that. I kept looking at the cover yeah, I found that really as I was reading and I was like, why the, f- why? Really? Yeah. And I think that, that might be why I feel like it's, it may not be written for lads, but I think the cover is kind of meant to be like this is that that one female comedian that you kind of like Mm. read her book 
because it's also about sex. Read her book. Frankie Boyle likes it. Read her book. And then it's quite subversive in that way where it's like, it's got all of this going on and to that I gestured at the book. Or everything (laughs) that's going on on the cover is like, hey lads, read this book by that one bird that you like. And then... You know, you oh, be the way. Be the way. Be the way. Be wow. the way. By the way. Be the banana. By the way, your penis is small because of this. Yeah. Like that. I feel like that's. I feel like it's quite subversive in that respect, and I don't think that it's written for lads. I don't think it's written for women. That's what I mean. I think that it's written for. It's written for whoever picks it up, but it's marketed. In a way that appeals to, on the one hand. Bloods. On the other hand, it's Sarah Pascoe on the cover wearing an androgynous suit with her hair looking great is going to appeal to a certain class of feminist. For a book that has sex on the cover, I feel like there's been a deliberate choice to de-sex mm-hmm. the cover. Mm. In both terms there of is no, There is no pink appeal. there. <laughs> there is zero pink, and we've talked about the prevalence of pink in female written female oriented books mm. book covers before um but it's gray and yellow uh neither of which are gendered colors it's very um yeah it, and it's quite androgynous androgynous it? ambiguous um i think also like any kind of celebrity book and i say that like with a pinch of salt because you know that almost it, it down it downplays what you know the the great book that she's she's created yeah, and written exactly yeah. um but essentially she is a well known name and you are most likely going to pick it up if you appreciate her comedy mm-hmm. if you appreciate her as a as a person a human being a woman whatever it might be and you maybe relate to her and so therefore you will probably pick up this book because you find her comedy relatable because much like humorous, like any kind of humorous comedy, it's relatable. And so therefore, I think you may be, be the, you will be the audience who are her usual comedy audience, which maybe I don't know, are predominantly feminist women. Mm, I don't think it is. Though. But I don't think, it, yeah, I don't think it is because I think like if you compare... Sarah Pascoe to say someone like Sarah Milligan. Not that we're comparing, you know, you know, all female comedians are interchangeable, but if we're talking about... Two of the better known ones. Two of the better known female comedians. Sarah Pascoe and Sarah Milligan both we talk about... So just not say female comedians? Just say comedians. No, but we are specifically in talking aspect, in this context yeah. about female comedians. I'm like not I saying, would say female actors. I'm not saying comedians. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm specifically saying comedians who identify as female because that is what we are comparing. Yeah. I agree with you. Generally, I would refer to Sarah Pascoe as a comedian. Right. Generally, when referring to, like you say with actors, like Mm -hmm. you've got Jennifer Anderson, you've got... Connie Cox? No, I was was, was going with any other man, but all I can think of was Brad Pitt and I don't want to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer Brad. But yeah, you've got... You've got your male comedians, you've got your female comedians, but you refer to them as comedians. You've got your you've got your Brad Pitts, you've got your Jennifer Andersons, they're actors. Yeah. In this context, what I'm referring to is two comedians who are also female, who are well known. If we compare the people that watch their comedy and identify with their comedy, I think they both identify as feminist. They both talk about similar co- um similar topics, female sexuality being a woman dating going out drinking food etc i love drinking food i love drinking food too um but they do it in very similar in very different ways and have very different fan bases because of it and i think that on your average heteronormative typical blah blah poll if you were like do you want to go see sarah pascoe or sarah Mil- um sarah pascoe or it's Sarah Milligan, isn't it? Sarah Milligan, yeah. Mm-hmm. I suddenly was like, have I been saying Sarah too much? Sarah Milligan or Sarah Pascoe to a group of 16-year-old lads. Who are they going to say? I would say Sarah Pascoe. Exactly. And I think that's my point, is that like your point that her being on the cover appeals to her fan base is absolutely right. I just think that we disagree about who her fan base is. I, I agree she probably has a very big fan base of 
young feminists, but she also has an appeal to young lads I mean, or lads or the, elder the, lads. The fact that when I men. went to see her, I didn't book the tickets. My two brothers booked the tickets and they are men in their 40s. Mm. So the word sex positivity is thrown around a lot and I think a lot of people take that word to mean I fucking want sex all the time and like Get in like, me Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Why like, are you like you know, from stitches? I don't know. I've gone full <laughs> bad chips here. Um but it's it's taken as a as a word I think sometimes that means yeah, no, like I just, I just like to walk around the garden with my clothes on, and then sometimes I finger myself and sort of over here and like that. It's just, it's just, it's all very, it's, it's done in a very open way. And I think the I was thing imagining is... rhododendrons and everything. <laughs> oh. I was just thinking you're not welcome at my Airbnb. So. <laughs> my point is, I just finger myself over here. Sex positivity means being happy with the sex that you are having being happy expressing the kind of thing that you want from sex and that doesn't mean telling everybody about it it means Mm. talking about it and feeling comfortable talking about it in the way that you feel comfortable talking about Mm -hmm. it and i think in that way i think all of us are sex positive Mm -hmm. because we are happy to talk about it to the people who we want to know and who we need to to the extent that we we are happy to talk about that we are happy to talk about it and i think people need to bear that in mind because sex positive is not just spouting about it Spaffing about, <laughs> but yeah, no, but you're but absolutely true. right. You're absolutely right yeah. because I mean, that's your word you need. Yeah, off, off, Mike. You know, we we were discussing sex, and I'm perfectly happy to talk about sex, and I'm glad that people are having sex, and I enjoy sex. I do not feel ashamed of the sex that I am having. I just don't feel like everyone needs to know what that is, and that's fine. Yeah. As long as that's what, and that's the point, is it? As long as that's what you're comfortable. But I completely agree with you. As long as that's what you're comfortable. That's the thing. It's true. I completely agree with you. There is a misconception that sex positivity means that you have to be happy, like in every which way, but Sunday and and all the time and multi. Anal Sunday. (laughs) Well, that. Oh, I enjoyed. I enjoyed how much she kind of like referenced anal and Bar's boyfriend being like, etc. What? Oh my god, I clenched oh no. the entire time during that. I baited. The thing I find most interesting about pornography and why I watch a lot of documentaries on it and blah 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 is I am very intrigued about whether um, people are becoming desensitised to uh, like aggression and all these kind of fetishes and everything that is out there what like what is the reason is it because porn is becoming more extreme or is it because tastes are becoming more extreme or is it they're both influencing each other i, d- I just find that really interesting sarah pascoe talks about transactional sex work and a part of that is porn um so it's a, uh, a section of the book that I think was in places difficult for us to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we have some thoughts on it. Kim, I think you have a few Yeah, they're, they're not... It's not elaborate. Like, I'm, I'm going to be sounding this out as I talk about it. Because I found the section about porn very difficult to read. Because I do not enjoy porn. Mm-hmm. And I said to you, Sam, a couple of years ago. Um, I said... I'm giving porn a go. I'd never watched porn before. Yeah. And I didn't really tell anyone else about this. I literally only told you. And I was like, I'm giving porn a go because I had been single for a long time. And I just, I was just trying to be, I was trying to push my own boundaries. I'm very into sexy books. I like sexy books and I have for a long time. I like a book with a thin waist and a fat dust jacket. Yeah. yeah. I like big books and I cannot lie. Perfect. <laughs> <coughs> but um, actual porn, like visual porn videos, mm. not my cup of tea. And I was like, I was trying to give it a go and I could see... I'm not immune... Like, I could see how they make you horny. Like, I'm not immune to that, but... In the way that I mentioned earlier how I do not feel ashamed about the sexual activity that I engage in. Like, I did not enjoy porn in the way that, like, afterwards I did not feel good about it. I felt grim about it, frankly. And I don't, or 
I don't willingly ever recall it in any kind of sexy situation. Like I've I've watched a handful. That doesn't make the highlight real. Exactly. I've yeah. watched a handful of porn videos. I and I genuinely I was like handful. I want to give this a chance because I listened to the Guys Who Fuck podcast for a long time and they obviously talk about porn on that quite a lot and I was like, well, maybe, you know, I was trying to challenge my own prejudices, much like Sarah Pascoe does in this book. And much like Sarah Pascoe does in this book, I came up against things that I just, I found very, very difficult to reconcile with what I felt connected to and what, you know, got me going. Because even if the actual act was attracted to me or the scenario was attractive to me, Ultimately, there would be something about it, and it would it would snap me out of it so so quickly, and it just made me and it made me too too aware that these were people, and it felt vulgar. Like one of the things I like about reading the books, is, I mean, they're fictional. It's fully in your mind. And it's and fully it's in my mind, and yeah. I'm I'm that person in that scenario. Like yeah. if I'm reading a book, I'm probably that person. Like that's that's what i'm trying you know it doesn't yeah. i don't feel like yeah. i'm literally prying uh, because i am if you're i'm watching porn literally prying on people having sex and sex that i'm not convinced that they want to be having and mm. sex that is n- in no way mirrors sex that i'm having like and that's not to say that as i mentioned you know perfectly happy with the way that my life's going but i don't need to make weird little mewling sounds and <laughs> And I, you know, like I just, it made me really, really uncomfortable, and I really, really gave it a chance. So, like reading about all the porn and Sarah Pascoe's opinion of it was very interesting because I felt that I felt a connection with yeah. the way that she tried to challenge herself yeah. to watch stuff, and I tried to challenge myself. And the one thing I didn't share with her is that the the recommendations that she got, she says it herself. She was like, I mostly got recommendations that were not violent that were not aggressive that were not um extreme because that's not the kind of thing that i was clicking on and therefore you know much like the netflix algorithm it learns it it wasn't as easy to find that stuff as the propaganda kind of said it was yeah whereas in my experience there was that even if i was looking for something gentle uh, I would, before getting to the point where I found something that I was be like, confronted. oh, maybe I can try this. I would be confronted with like, like crying woman has mm. six penises in her mouth and et cetera, et cetera. You know, terribly polite <laughs> um, wording, very academic, but <laughs> half a dozen quillies. <laughs> she gets confronted. Surprise! <laughs> And I just and no, sorry, I'm not laughing. At no, no, no. But really it's just like I was oh, quite surprised so that she did not come across the level of things I, that I and and this is and I need to say this again. This is very much my own opinion. I know plenty of people who watch porn regularly enjoy it. That's fine. And I'm not. It's not a judgment on you. It's my own personal opinion about my interaction with porn. But I found the whole section very, very uncomfortable. Alex, you watch porn? Mm, no, I don't actually. Not anymore. No, well, I thought you definitely said you. you I've like... watched it. Okay, but no, I don't. I'm okay. not a regular. So you're not a regular porn consumer. No. How did you feel about the porn section? Um, I am a regular consumer of documentaries about porn stars. Yeah, but they're not with the intention of getting you turned on no 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 just um i find it really fascinating um the kind of reasoning behind why people do it um because i suppose i had this pre i before had a preconception that people would only get into porn because they have like issues or like whatever it might be exactly and so i always was like right I need to delve into this and realise why I potentially might be wrong. And also because I've got friends that are in porn as well. Um, I don't want to be led by the thought that only 
damaged people or people with you know certain psychological or uh, mental health issues are going down that career path because also you know she speaks about like as she talks about um stacking shelves in Sainsbury's and it's just a trans you know you're just getting paid for mundane work well, and the, stuff like that she, she uses the word sex workers work in inverted commas throughout mm. doesn't yeah like, exactly yeah, yeah. um anyway so I have um I have definitely watched it for um I suppose the purposes that it's made for and then also really don't I it actually weirdly bores me like I just I don't know, like, and I think it it's just it's Let's because. Another fucking person suck a strap on. I'm gonna be so. I just boring. like I just I, I, I suppose much like Kim, like it's just kind of like I just, I think we are all very all three of us on the sofa are super empathetic, mm. and we therefore would go. I wouldn't find that pleasurable. I also see you as a human being. I don't see you as the object that potentially male or female um that is being portrayed or trying to you're you're trying to get this reaction from an audience. And so our brains just go, but how are they feeling? Surely they won't enjoy that. I don't enjoy that. I don't think they enjoy that. And you start reading into it yeah. too much. And so therefore it becomes a minefield of craziness. And I'm probably like putting what like it's just what Kim said and and I'm sure what you'll you go on. I'm I'm putting all Words. all this. Um, anyway, I've watched lots a lot of documentaries in this the hope of having my mind changed, and a lot of them try to. A lot of them also take the route of uh, these people are uh, seeking some kind of validation. Yeah, I was going to say filling, and I was just like, that is the complete wrong word. I'm going to have to apologise to everyone for all the sniggers on this episode. Oh, I'm so sorry. But yeah, validation is a, is a good is a good word to use. Like, this is the point as well. There's, there's a language around sex and pornography, which she talks about, which is gratuitous and actually quite deeply unsexy. Um, but, you know, loving couple have wonderful intercourse is not going to get many hits on Pornhub. I, I mean, I don't think we should go into this now, but isn't it crazy? No, I know, I know, it's all in your window. <laughs> but isn't it crazy that that doesn't? I'm quite sad. Well, yeah, because it's not fantasy, though. Because if you're in a relationship... Yeah, but why is the fantasy the the sexy thing? That's what I mean. Like, why is fantasy a sexy thing? Because it's something you can't have. It's the same as romanticising a dream career. It's the same as... And I'm not saying porn does this well. I'm not saying it does, you know, like... I'm not saying it's necessarily a a healthy way to obsess over something. But it's the same as going, this is my job. This is my dream job this is my but it doesn't mean that you necessarily want that thing like i'd love to be a zookeeper because i love animals reality i don't want to be cleaning shit up all day there's a very different divide also related to brimming (laughs) yeah but i just don't zookeeping (laughs) okay maybe i just live in a different world what do you mean i don't know like i think if you seek something out you just go for it and so therefore i I just don't i don't understand fantasy because i would always seek out what i want to do in, in the sexual world or non-sexual world. But I also think, okay, so let's let's take erotica, for example, because that's a much more... Erotica's kind of a... It's even more diverse than porn because you're not limited by things like physics or actual, you know, you can have magic. Well, that you, you could have... be a mermaid and yes. have sex with a unicorn. Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. You yeah, but there's no porn that does that, surely. No, but there's erotica no, but is, that but does. But this is my point, Alex, is that erotica can do that, whereas porn can't do that in a way that you would necessarily Believe. buy because you'd be like well that woman is clearly just wearing a spandex fishtail from amazon that's not the same whereas in your mind it can be whatever you want it to be i suppose i i yeah i just I, I suppose i just don't get that at all i i just think porn is it can be not a force for good but i think porn can be beneficial for people in certain ways i also think it can be detrimental in a lot of other ways, and it should be consumed, as with all media, with a pinch of salt. Mm. So, sex power money covers a lot of topics, a lot of which we could go into in a lot more detail than we're going to tonight, because I'm going to cut it all. Um, <laughs> but 
would you, and I know there's already a, a book out there by Sarah Pascoe, Animal, which I have read, would either of you read any more books by her? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd definitely read Animal. I do want to read Animal mm-hmm. following on from this and actually have wanted to previously. Um, I think it would be, oh gosh, it's going to sound really like vanilla. Um I'd quite like to read her. Vanilla like, is not a bad thing. No, it's the it's finest the of the flavours. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd, I'd quite like to read her like auto, autobiography because I actually think she's had quite... I think she would write an amusing commentary to mm. probably her life that, like I have said, I feel represents like my own. So... Sarah, please write an autobiography. You should read Animal. Okay. Well, I'll read Animal. Um, I also think that she's hugely intellectual. I think she's very clever. I think it is one of the many non-fictions that we've read that I have felt completely engaged with from start to finish. So, you know, great. Well done, you. Start to an hour before the end. Kim, how about you? I would definitely read another book by Sarah Pascoe. I would just prepare myself better to read it. Fair enough. So that brings us to the end of this week's show. But before we go, we have to rate both the wine and the book. So let's start with the head honcho Sauvignon Blanc, which was our first wine of this evening. It was rubbish. Right? Yeah, it was gross. Did not like. Okay. What if I told you the price? It's going to be seven fifty. Five fifty. Five pounds. Bug. Gross. Is my Tinder name. So, what would we give it out of five grapes? Two. That's being generous. Cool. In fact, uh, no, fuck, fuck being generous. One. <laughs> not, even, not even going for a step down at the one point either. Kim going for a full one. It's horrible. I didn't enjoy it at all. <laughs> Welcome to the title of Kim's sex tape. I've got... I'm going to go for 1.5 because if someone, if I said, I'll have the house white, please, and that came, I'd drink it and grumble, but I'd drink it, which I feel, again, is a lot again, of what I'm <laughs> An Alex review. Can you maybe, I don't know, fantasise about a different wine? I know, I'm sorry, I'm too black and white. Fantasise about a bigger wine. A for blacker a- wine. <laughs> I'm the worst creative person. You're not. Um, the reason I went for seven fifty or whatever I said when you asked me how much it was was because of the label. Very pretty label. If it was presented to me at a table, I go, hmm, yes. And then they go, would you like to taste? And I'll say, no, leave it. It's fine. And then I drink it and I go, hmm, and then I drink it. So top branding, poor taste. Yeah. Sorry, I... that was a much quicker definition. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm going to go for two grapes. It was fine. Okay. I've had worse on this podcast, to be fair. And the second wine was the head honcho again, and it was the uh, cab sav. So who wants to kick off with that one? I give it a two. Okay. It was, again, it's fine. Um, it's red wise. I would actually, if I'm going to go for red, I would prefer something more warming, and it wasn't. So. Buttery. Yeah. Mm, I, I see I'm not a fan of the buttery I just like something a bit more full bodied tofu-y 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 or marge margarine Mar- margarine oh, plant based um, margarine plant <laughs> um, living uh, yeah okay two two, two. Uh, two point five it's fine like I liked it a lot more than the white because it's red obviously um, but and if someone showed up to my house with it I would I would disguise my face and drink it merrily. Like when you came to a dinner party and you said, it's okay, if I don't like it, I'll pretend I do. And I will go for a 2.5 as well, because it was better than the white, but it was still like... "Mm." And finally, the book, which is, again, Sarah Pascoe's Sex, Power, Money, from Faber and Faber. Um... I'm going to give it four point... No, four out of five. Okay. Four out of five. I'm pretty sure that I gave it a four on Goodreads. And I stand by that. 
and I would say it's a four. I give it a three on Goodreads. <gasps> really? Well, there you go. I think 3.5 is probably what I meant. Somewhere in between the two. Yeah, it's it's somewhere in between three and four. And I think... I'm going to give it a four grapes here because I think that our conversation did it justice. Um, and I think that my criticisms of it are very much to do with how uncomfortable it made me, which is not necessarily a fault of the book, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that she did a very good job of writing it. It's somewhere between three and four. I'm going to be generous and give it a four. Samantha. 4.5. Nice. Well done. High praise indeed. Yep. Loved it. Yeah, it wasn't perfect, but, you know. Never. Yeah, I thought it was was really good. Really good. Well done, Sarah Pascoe. Sarah Pascoe, we love you. So thank you for listening to this week's show. If you have enjoyed it, please don't forget to give us a rating. If you are listening on Apple, maybe leave us a review because we love to know what you think. If you would like to follow us on social media, we are on Instagram at Grape Culture Podcast. We are on Twitter at Grape Culture Pod. Or you can get in touch by sending us an email, grapeculturepodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to come back in two weeks and we will have a brand new episode for you. Thank you for listening. Bye! Bye! Bye.